0: hey chicago fire and major league soccer fans welcome back to feed the fire a chicago fire podcast i am your host nick we are in episode 48 and we are going to talk a little bit about the gripes with the league's cup We're going to talk Chicago Fire and a little MLS free agency. And then we're going to look ahead to the Chicago Fire's next match. Thank you. The regular season is finally back. August 20th at Soldier Field against Orlando City. And we're going to preview some of City's formations, get to know Orlando a little bit, and talk about how the Chicago Fire are going to be able to win this game. want to remind everyone that the show is brought to you by Skira Icelandic Spring Water, available at your local 7-Eleven. And also, I want to ask everyone, small favor, no investment, but a couple of clicks. Make sure you rate, you review, you like, you subscribe, you follow, especially on Spotify. If you can follow along there, give us a five-star review. It'll go a long way in getting this podcast promoted through you know, the algorithm online, but also helping to grow the conversation around the sport, around the league and around the hometown club here, the Chicago Fire. So I appreciate all the support and all the views and listens that everyone has given us so far. Let's keep it growing. Now, to get into our real content here, why are we here? We're talking soccer, and we're talking League's Cup. The semifinals are coming up tomorrow night, August 15th. And they look to be some great matches. You have Philadelphia hosting Montreal. You've got the rough and tumble, stingy defense, Philadelphia, against the high-flying, finesse offense, Leo Messi and co. of Inter-Miami. It's going to be a really good matchup. And it's going to be Miami's biggest test uh, since renewing their entire roster. We're essentially signing half of a new starting squad here with Messi, Alba, Busquets, their young DPs, all that sort of thing. So make sure you tune into that one. It's either going to be a, a rough and tumble match the way Philly wants to play. It's going to be a high scoring, fun affair the way Miami wants to play. Um, and there's going to be goals. There's going to be highlights. I'm sure of it. Make sure we tune into that one. The other matchup is one I'm really interested to see and one I I'd really hope to see in Champions League. Uh, but I'm glad we're getting it in Liga MX. Monterey versus Nashville. Monterey home team. uh, based on how they finished higher in their table than Nashville did uh, in their table a season ago, uh, but yet being played here in the United States because that's where the tournament's being hosted. Again, a great matchup. Monterey, the MLS killer. They have knocked out so many MLS teams over the years in CONCACAF Champions League and in other such exhibition matches like League's Cup, so to say. Um, So I'm really anxious to see how they continue their run And how Nashville rises to the challenge of playing this great Mexico club. And I hope Monterey keeps their head in the game here because... Keep their head in the game. Did I mention we watched High School Musical with my kids for the first time yesterday? Anyway, I hope Monterey can keep their head in the game because their coach, as well as many other Liga MX coaches, have been very vocal about their displeasure with League's Cup, the current format. And it, it centers around several issues... I want to kind of give my take on it here and then we can dive into uh, our next topic. But the biggest one and the one where I think they actually have a good argument is the travel. Some of these clubs are literally traveling cross continent to get to their games. I think it was the Monterey coach who said that he had to go play a game in California and then potentially go to, go to Philly um, depending on the outcome of some of these other games here. So There's a lot of travel that these Liga MX clubs aren't used to. Now, I think clubs in Mexico travel a bit more than maybe their European League counterparts, but nobody is traveling as much as clubs in Major League Soccer, especially with the interconference play and having teams like Vancouver, Seattle, and Portland having to travel to places like Miami and Philly and D.C., right? So I get the travel argument, and I don't know what kind of accommodations – they have if they're flying private if they're flying commercial coach or if they're getting you know pampered in certain hotels if they can bring their team chef and some of the other things that you don't want to leave from home so to say the niceties of being at home or being back in mexico i don't know if they have all of that when they're traveling uh for these leagues cups games or if they're going back and forth between mexico and the united states because there has this is been a month-long tournament and for Monterey playing every every what three to five days for the last three four weeks like that adds up and that gets heavy on their legs and here's the next gripe then that you're hearing that it's interfering with their regular season they're only three games into their regular season and then went on a break for leagues cup so that is going to really mess things up if you are a Liga MX team and especially if you're Monterey or T-Grace who plan on advancing in this tournament uh, or other such bigger clubs, better clubs in in Mexico, because then you've got your opponents just sitting back home, resting for a couple of weeks, getting their tactics, right? Getting their legs, right? You know, it's an early season break and you are now have four or five more games on your legs than your opposition. So this is a big adjustment. So I completely understand some of the travel and some of the schedule congestion, extra games type of thing, argument from these Liga MX teams. And and so I, I will give them a little bit of, of credit to those. Some of the other gripes I just think are, are just ridiculous and it's just posturing and it's just complaining for the sake of complaining or because you lost and you have to complain about something, right? So saying that the refereeing is is terrible or that it's stacked against Liga MX I think is a terrible argument. The refs are really out of the club's control. And from an MLS perspective, I'm just glad these aren't like your usual CONCACAF Champions League refs. But maybe that's what the Liga MX clubs would prefer because they can get away with all sorts of games and tricks and dark arts and just hacking, I'll say it, hacking of other players' Handling the ball, all the ridiculousness that people hate to see in soccer, which is why a recent study over in England showed that like actual game time in uh, actual playing time, action time, not the stoppage time, not the out of bounds, not, not kind of the dead ball time. It's maybe about 54 to 60 minutes in the leagues in Europe that they studied. So when you have teams like these Liga MX teams who can get away with all these sort of shenanigans, that really reduces the game time and the action time, and it really just kind of pisses me off as a fan, and I'm sure you guys too. So they are not getting the refereeing breaks that they want. It's always nice when it goes your favor and never when it goes against you. But really, if you look, especially as a Chicago Fire fan, you just got to look at that Club America game to say, the Chicago Fire got hosed on a number of calls too, so I think the refereeing is a non-argument here. They're also saying, like a few MLS clubs too, that there's the Messi rules that nobody can touch Messi, nobody can foul Messi. Messi's gonna do everything, whatever. I, again, I think this is stupid. Yes, Messi, Messi has caught a few breaks during this league's cup run. There is no doubt about that. He's gotten some favorable calls. He's gotten some fouls he's committed that were not called against him there has been a video going around online that shows when Messi takes a free kick he actually moves the ball five different times and gets it about an entire yard away from where the referee spotted it to give himself a better angle so he's definitely kind of getting some of those breaks now that's the ref and the opposition's fault for like not paying attention and yeah the head ref is making sure no one's jostling in the box making sure the wall is lined up right but you got VAR you got Two guys on the sides, and you've got a fourth official. No one's calling into the head ref saying, "Hey, Messi's moving the ball around." Well, is anyone? Maybe that's where the mess rules come into effect, or the messy treatment there. But anyway, I still think the whole messy thing is not uh, anything that has been rigged against Liga MX teams or against MLS teams. Honestly, it's just an indictment about how bad other strikers in the league have been. If Messi can walk in, and not even playing as a striker, and just do all these things to MLS defenses, people are saying, yeah, that, that shows how bad the defenses are. No, no, no. To me, that shows how bad the rest of the league's offenses are, that they can't be scoring this easily and embarrassing other teams, that there's nobody who can even sniff Messi's boots with the talent or just being able to find space. I'm not saying that they have to take on three guys and then rip a shot up or ninety. They just can't find space. They just can't get runners into the right spots. They can't play the right pass. That's how bad Messi's making the other leagues' offenses look, in my opinion. But anyway, I'm digressing. Talked a little bit about that on the last episode. But here's the th- here's the real rub here now. Here's where I'm going to push back a little bit on all this Liga MX griping here and all this leagues cup and anti leagues cup sentiment. Right? Liga MX has said their executives have said the growth for their league to make more money is in the american markets and and the, to a lesser extent the canadian markets here right they essentially have tapped out their growth potential in mexico now i still think there's a lot of other things they could do they probably could have some better marketing better um, even just sales and product sales and things of that nature, a lot of the things that we are seeing some of these MLS clubs do. and There's probably always a little bit of room for improvement there, but to really get like new investment, new noticeable cash flow, yeah, they need the American soccer market. Did anyone tell these Mexican teams they're even doing this? Like th- that they're even going to play in this league's cup? It's not even the whole Liga MX either. There's only I think uh, 17 of their 20 teams that played, not all 20 so there were a few holdouts and on top of it, did anyone tell these coaches like guys this is going to bring the money this is going to pay your salaries this is going to pay your player transfer fees and salaries like j- just play go out play to win like stop ripping the tournament that is only going to bring in more money um maybe it's just because it's their first year and they're, and they're not sure how to react to playing in this kind of tournament this is brand new for every club but for most Liga MX clubs and, and for most MLS clubs who haven't played in CONCACAF Champions League or any sort of continental play or other sort of tournament play, I don't know if Liga MX has preseason tournaments. Maybe this is kind of it for them. But we see how many preseason friendlies and we see, you know, the Carolina Cup and the, or, and some other the Florida Cup with some MLS and USL clubs playing each other. We've got US Open Cup that, that goes on. MLS clubs are more used to tournament play. I'm not saying they've gotten very good at it, but they've definitely more used to it than what league MX teams are. So maybe this is just, they don't know what they're doing from an administrative standpoint and a coaching standpoint. And also maybe their jobs are on the line, which is why they're being so vocal. We know how volatile coaching in Mexico can be. You're there maybe a year or two if you're lucky. And so if they're losing to MLS clubs, even in a league's club, cup competition that is new and mostly exhibitionist despite having three spots up for CONCACAF Champions Cup on the line and a little bit of prize money too it wouldn't surprise me if there's an ownership or management group that holds these coaches accountable or might hold it against them just a little bit they end up losing to some MLS teams or not advancing to the round of 16 in League's Cup so these are all the things that are going on within Liga MX that you know, I'm speculating on some and other things we've actually heard from that these coaches ha- and this league has to wrap their head around because right now it's just a bad look. They just look like sore losers to this point. Now, assuming Monterey wins the whole tournament and they win two more games against MLS competition, well, then I'm sure they're going to change their tune and say like, oh, look at how great we are. We're still the, the kings of Concacaf," calf, right? But these are the gripes we're hearing now, and that's what I wanted to address. And to push back even more, look at all of Champions League, right? For the last however many years, Champions League has been a tournament before they just changed it this year, this upcoming edition. Mexico has won every single version of it, but for last year when Seattle won it, right? They have won everything. They have gone, they've dominated Major League Soccer as well as clubs from around the region. Only within the last five to 10 years have we really seen. Major League Soccer teams competing with and beating Liga MX clubs and and not just, you know, squeaking by. They're actually looking a little bit more convincing. So, yes, Liga MX, they they are still the cream of the crop. Their top three or four clubs are still the top three or four. But top to bottom as a league, Major League Soccer has looked at Liga MX and said, we need to catch up to them. And they use the struggles and the losses and the lumps and the insults in Champions League to do that. And hopefully, as a soccer fan, we can see Liga MX do the same. But right now, all we're seeing is complaints and gripes. And you know what? Let them keep complaining and griping as long as MLS keeps beating them. That's how I feel. That's all I wanted to say about that. I'm really looking forward to these semifinal games again. I think that Monterey-Nashville game is going to be a banger. And I think that Miami-Philly game is just its going to have some highlight that everyone's going to be talking about the next day. Our next topic of conversation on the show here, uh, Chicago Fire and Free Agency. Uh, Major League Soccer Players Association put out their list uh, almost a week ago or so of which players are eligible for free agency in Major League Soccer. Now, A little background here, everyone. I don't know how much you know about free agency at, in MLS, but it's not the nicest topic for, every, for everybody. It's been sensitive over years. Matter of fact, free agency didn't even exist when the league started. And it really, when it was technically there, wasn't kind of the iteration we as just general American sports fans think of when we think of free agency. We think of being able to go out and just sign with whoever you want to for as much as you want to. And there's actually a really great video that the MLSPA put out that said, like even Major League Baseball had to go through arbitration for it. Uh, NBA players had to sue for it. Um, NFL players had to collectively bargain for it this is not something that leagues want to allow their players to do they want control over their players and especially major league soccer as a single entity structure where the clubs are franchises not separate corporate entities who can do business with each other in a traditional sense Um, free agency is not something that the league wanted in fact the league thought it would kill the league itself and if you look in that video you've got Landon Donovan making comments that when he was making calls on behalf of the players association back in 05 to the league office, they said we will not discuss free agency. The league will fold before we give you free agency because the league will fold. If we give you free agency. So Landon Donovan just went, okay, guys, non-starter, we got to argue and fight for everything else that, that we can get. Uh, So free agency is relatively new. For major league soccer. And in fact, it kind of started in its first iteration in 2010 when they began a re-entry draft. In 2015, you had a more traditional or, or more what we think of as a free agency, but you had to be 28 years old with eight or more years of MLS service. That means you would have had to come into the league at age 20 and only to to play your whole time. An eight-year career is an insanely long career for professional athletes. It's very, very rare. Now you're seeing some phenomenally fit athletes in the United States who played soccer, who have put put that together here in Major League Soccer. But to think of that, if you're a rookie and you're like, man, I got to do this for eight more years in order to have teams fighting over me in free agency, that is a haul. That is really, really daunting. Fortunately, in 2020 for the players, free agency was expanded in the latest round of collective bargaining, and now you only have to be 24 years old with five plus years of MLS service. So again, if you're coming into the league at 19, 20, 21, now you're thinking, okay, I can get my, you know, if I get that one initial contract, maybe get a couple extensions or a couple options and I'm, I'm in the league. By the time I hit 24, 25, 26, and I'm in the prime of my career, I can get paid. Or I might have a little bit more leverage as to where I go, uh, how much I get paid, the kind of environment, other terms to negotiate. So it, the, the needle is is swung a little bit more central, um, but there are still a number of, of restrictions uh, on these players. Like we said, 24 years old, five plus years in MLS service. Now, if you're a college player... Or if you were a guy in USL for a couple of years and then is coming into the league, then you will be a free agent probably when you're 27, 28, 29, if not later in your 30s. Then you're going to. Have making sure that you get that free agent contract from the team side of things, though, there is no cap on the number of free agents a team can sign and no exclusion based on salary. Now, let's take a look at some of the free agents on the Chicago Fire. They have four free agents at the end of this year. Fabian Herbers, Wyatt Olmsberg, Spencer Ritchie. Those three are on club options. So, if the club picks up their option, great. If not, they're free agents. And then Kai Kamara is just out of contract at the end of the season. Me, personally, I would be okay if the club let all four of these guys walk. With the exception of Wyatt Olmsberg, he's kind of become a free a favorite of mine on a personal level. I just think the guy has just worked his tail off. Not to say nobody else has, but just watching him grow and develop over the last two years, I really think he needs another chance. I don't think Klobos and Co. are giving him much of a shot. Uh, Not that I know his injuries, but I just don't think they're giving him the opportunities. He's playing too much with Fire 2. This is a guy who started at least half a season last year at a high level, and they're putting him with Fire 2 squad. Come on, he needs to be a Major League Soccer. Anyway, I digress about Wyatt Olmsberg there. But really, if all these guys ended up walking, I wouldn't be too, or if the club lets all these guys walk, I wouldn't be too broken up about it. But here's the reality, though. The fire need a new GM. And most of the discussion about free agents, who's going to stay, who's going to go, is really moot until we get the new GM in and we know his philosophy or her philosophy and how they want to take the team. Additionally, we still need a new coach. Frank Lopas is the interim manager. And he has said he doesn't want to be the head coach. And the Fire have not really suggested that they want him to be the head coach. They were really going after Jesse Marsh for a long period of time. There's rumors about Kostenoğlu from Greece, uh, the former Ike Athens coach coming over, right? So the the team really hasn't said, yeah, we want Frank Klopas to be the head coach. And guys, we've all seen this. We've all seen Frank Klopas as the head coach. Don't forget who has been the one person that has been a part of this organization for the last decade. It's been Frank Klopas head coaches have come and gone assistants have come and gone players owners managers have uh, you know office managers gms have come and gone and the fire have sucked for a decade so i'm not saying but i'm just saying like we need to get a new person on that bench before we can start really having full meaningful conversations about free agency but hey it's a podcast let's dive into it as best as we can now looking at fabian herbers Again, when the fire—I've said it before—I'll say it again. If the fire are to start competing for trophies, I don't think Fabian Herbers has a meaningful role on the team. I think he, at best, is going to be a utility player on a top four or five Eastern Conference team. But given where the Chicago Fire's roster is, it wouldn't surprise me at all. And. And again, I'd prefer him to move on, but if he's still on the squad next year, it's because they are building and filling in other pieces, and that they can use him as kind of this utility player who can play central defensive midfielder if needed, who can play on the wing if needed, uh, who can—gosh, I bet they would throw him as an outside back if uh, the Seves loan doesn't work out, and and if Su-K, um, I'm sorry, not Sukay, if the Dean deal is over, whatever the case may be. Um, so. He's a utility guy. He's got use. He's got value. Um, depending on how they negotiate his contract, that could be whether he comes back or not. As far as Wyatt Holmesburg, I've made it known. I really like the guy, and I think you need to keep some depth at center back. You have Chihos. You have Tehran. Chihos, another year older. You have Tehran, who at one point was speculated to be going to Europe as, as that next guy from the Chicago Fire who could make a move. Um, just because of how big and how physical he is, he was playing a little bit with Columbia's senior team, uh, I believe, and he might be, um, you know, might be a guy that a team in Europe could think that he is uh, a guy that could fit in and develop a little bit more, and maybe get at a bargain from the Chicago Fire. Um, so, I think having Wyatt Olmsburg there, uh, along with keeping Mauricio Pineda, we saw earlier he got his contract extension, is just smart depth move. Um, at the center back i don't think kendall burks is a guy who can cut it at the mls level at least he hasn't shown it in his couple of seasons where he's gotten his starts maybe he needs more time with cf2 to develop get bigger get stronger get smarter get more tactical and you know he's still a young guy i mean you don't have to give up on him yet but he hasn't shown it yet so i would hope olmsberg stays to keep some of that center back depth spencer richie has been an excellent pickup by the chicago fire able to mentor Chris Brady, if not in the actual goalkeeping, but on being a professional and being a professional in Major League Soccer. Solid starter when he is called upon, and I think he would be an excellent uh, player to keep on the squad. Now, him as a free agent, goalies are an interesting position, both figuratively and literally with soccer, right? Um, It's an interesting position because we've seen in Major League Soccer that an American goalie uh, is is a is a great asset to have because you're not burning an international spot on uh, a goalkeeper who you can find you can find good American keepers right and get good value here. So if Spencer Rishi, he's one guy who could probably negotiate himself a better contract, maybe get some more minutes and playing time if that's what he desires at this point in his career. Um, but I would love to see him stay with the Chicago fire for the reasons I said before. Now Kai Kamara, uh, whatever your feelings are towards Kai, I don't see him coming back at all next year, and it's not a shot against Kai. I think it's because whoever the new GM is is going to have a DP spot, and the rumors are they're going to add a fourth DP spot, so we'll have two DP spots, and then we know the Dumbia uh, signing is only a temporary DP just for the season, so the next GM is going to have three designated player spots possibly to work with, as well as a couple under-22 spots if they can move on from Hiro Torres. That means they're going to sign a striker. They are one of those has to be a starting striker. That's the biggest need for the Chicago Fire a consistent goal scoring threat and consistent offensive generation. And if you have a, a starting striker, a DP caliber striker, heck, go get two of them. Because if you miss on one, because we know the Chicago Fire have had trouble with DPs, then You'll have the second one there, and you've got Kuzius who can be the backup and continue to grow and develop. Maybe have a few breakout games and then get sold for a profit. Or when you move on from your current DP, you can slot Kuzius in. So I just don't see Kai having a role on this squad next season. As much as you love him, as much as you love his game, or or as as little as you want him on your squad, wherever you fall on the spectrum, I just don't see him having a spot because whoever the new GM is is going to go out and sign. A couple of strikers, no doubt about it. Looking around MLS though, there were a few free agents that kind of were intriguing to me. And I'm looking more at at defense here because again, you sign offense and, and you grow defense. And so in this sense, instead of a homegrown or an academy kid, um, we're, we're looking at other players from within MLS. So I was looking for free agent, major league soccer defenders who are in their 20s. Um, there are a number, there are a lot of guys who are in their, in their thirties. And I just think that is not how you want to sign, especially if you want to use some wingbacks and have them pushing forward. You don't want guys in your thirties. They're not going to be able to cut it the entire season, especially when the league's getting younger and better on offense. So here are a few names that I saw that are on the list that might be intriguing. First of all, uh, Andrew Goodman of Colorado left back. First of all, we all know, well, if you don't look it up, Andrew Goodman's history with the Chicago Fire was with. Uh, one of their academy affiliates in Indiana, then went to play for Cincinnati, but couldn't sign then with, uh, when they were in USL, but then couldn't sign with the fire for, for one reason or other, I forget the the nuance of it. Then he ended up going to Celtic in Scotland and then coming back to Red Bull, bounced to Atlanta, had a couple good seasons with Atlanta, scoring some goals, helping out there. And then is now with Colorado. I, I think he would fit one just to kind of have him come full circle here with Chicago, but also he can play wing back. He knows the league. Um, he's a competent defender, and I think it would be good for him um, to play with Chris Mueller a little bit when Mueller is back from from his season-ending injury. I think that would be a great combination to have up the left hand side. Diego Palacios. Oh, and Gutman's only twenty six years old, by the way. Now Diego Palacios of LAFC, twenty four years old, also a left back. And hey, I'm not trying to take shots at Miggy Navarro here. My first two guys that I saw are are left backs here. Um, But we all know that Miggy's not exactly locked in as a long-term starter here. Just given his um, lack of offensive production in a system that needs the wingbacks to push forward and contribute, as well as uh, some of his availability with yellow cards and red cards and just his general hot-headedness. We'll see what the coach wants out of that player. Um, But yeah, Diego Palacios, left back. 24 years old um, so he could command a decent salary uh, being a free agent in only 24 years old um, maybe the fire bring him in on a two-year deal with an option or a three-year deal with an option and then they have some control if they want to move on for him or keep him in and you know lock down that left back position but he's got that lafc pedigree and i think that would really help bring some winning and, and championship caliber uh play into the locker room Kyle Duncan of Red Bulls, right back, 26-year-old. Uh, we all know that Red Bulls, this would kind of be a tough one because we all know Red Bulls really likes to use their system that, as they call it, energy drink soccer. I almost you know, feel so weird re- repeating it over and over. Um, but that kind of high energy would be great to bring the Chicago Fire, who lately, at least over the last several seasons, I mean, have been looking to counterattack a lot more, to launch Gutierrez forward, to get the ball to, to Kutzius, to play the balls up the wings. I think that it would be uh a it, it might be worth taking a look at Kyle Duncan a little closer. And then lastly, Kai Wagner of the Union left back who has been an integral part of one of the best clubs over the last several seasons here. The Philadelphia Union's defense has been historic a couple of years ago. It has been uh both in in goals allowed and goals scored. He's been contributing, he's getting forward. There was rumors he was going to a big 5 uh league you know, for a top club uh, over the last couple of years, but it's never materialized. So if the fire can somehow get in for Kai Wagner, 26 year old outside back, I think it would be a huge get for the fire. If the union, you know, they might want to move off of some of their bigger names here who, who they might not want to pay themselves and bring up their next uh big thing. If they're ready to kind of reset and reload a bit. So we could get, I think there's going to be teams who make some real serious offers and there's some real serious speculation around Kai Wagner this offseason. As a little quick tidbit here uh, before we get into our Orlando City preview, also MLS listed their 22 under 22. Uh, Their writer Matt Doyle put his young players out there, and since we're kind of talking about compliments to Gutierrez and Brady, let's talk about those two as making the 22 under 22 list as of right now. And uh, let me remind you, this is, we're talking about current play. This is not some sort of MLB style prospect list. Um, I mentioned this to my my seven-year-old son, uh, like, oh yeah, here's the 2,222. He's like, where's Kutzius? Kutzius is under 22. What's he, why is he on the list? It's not a prospect list, son. This is how they're playing right now. And Gutierrez and Brady are 22 of the best young players in MLS right now. So here's what Matt Doyle said about Brian Gutierrez. Quote, The Fire are finally taking advantage of all the talent in their backyard with Gutierrez this year's standout. No offense to goalkeeper Chris Brady, who we'll talk about in a bit. He is not a classic number 10 who makes the game at his feet, but more of an all-purpose attacker who gets the ball off his foot quickly and makes absolutely killer passes on the move, arguably a more important skill in today's game than the ability to dictate tempo. Two more assists will make him one of the youngest players in league history to hit 10 on the season. Needs to work on, and he's got one goal to go with it. Uh, Yeah, so as Doyle As Doyle points out, almost uh, 10 assists, but only one goal to go with it. And I I mostly agree here. Um, He needs to work on quicker decision-making and finishing. He needs to definitely get the ball off his feet into dangerous attacking areas um, as quickly as possible. And yeah, work on his shooting. Find the back of the net. Don't look for dancing in the box. Rip one from 20 yards out if you can, Guzzi. Now looking at Chris Brady, here is what Matt Doyle of MLSsoccer.com said about uh, Chris Brady making the, under 22, the 22 under 22 list. Quote, Brady had a couple of howlers early in the season, but since then, the 19-year-old has been one of the very best goalkeepers in Major League Soccer. As per American Soccer Analysis's all-in-one goals added stat, Brady is at plus 0.17 per 90 this year. That's fifth in the league, and that matches the eye test. For reference, Gaga Slanina's number last season was minus 0.02. The Fire Academy's done it again, folks. Needs to work on. This kid just needs reps. End quote from Matt Doyle. Uh, I I agree with this. I think Brady has been an excellent goalkeeper, and but for his stellar play, the Fire are not making the playoffs or not above the playoff line right now. He has saved them several points this season with some of his late game heroics or some of his early game awareness when the defense hadn't woken up and realized the referee blew the whistle, and he's had to make some early saves. And I absolutely agree. When you're a goalkeeper, when, just when you're a 19-year-old pro, it's crazy to say that, right? 19-year-old professional, he just needs more reps. Just keep doing what he's doing. Get more reps, face more circumstances, see more scenarios, see more players, see more styles, and then learn and grow from it. Um, I love that Chris Brady's on this list. And I love that that they're including goalkeepers in general on this list. At this point in the show, let me quickly give you our sponsor's information. Remember, Skira Icelandic Spring Water is sponsoring Feed the Fire, available at your local 7-Eleven. Skira is Icelandic for clear. And the water comes from a spring in a government-protected nature preserve in Iceland with naturally low mineral content. This is not your average water. Clearly, pun intended, it is one of the best. And as we move on to the second half of our show... We're going to look at the Chicago Fires next match, their August 20th home game against Orlando City. Thank you, regular season is back. No more Leagues Cup, no more waiting for the teams that had been knocked out. And by the way, I'm going to the game. This is the first time I'm getting out to a Chicago Fire game in person this season. I'm so sorry to say that it's taken me till mid August to do that, but I'm taking my son. We're meeting a friend and his son. We're going to be out in section 142. So if you're out, Message me on Twitter at glasshousesoccer or email me Soccer at gmail.com. And yeah, come say hi. Let me know that you listen to the show. I'll get a quote from you and we'll put it in the next episode. Uh, let me know what you want to say or just in general, reach out. Let me know what you want to hear in the show. But yep, I'm excited to be there. I'm excited to see this matchup between two currently in the playoff picture teams. Orlando sitting in fifth place on 37 points, 10 wins, six losses, and seven draws. Whereas the fire, a few spots below them, in eighth place on 32 points, eight wins, seven losses, and eight draws. Now I went on to fbref.com, pulled up Major League Soccer and all of the kind of stats for all the teams, the offense, the defense, the goalkeeping, the miscellaneous, everything like that. And, and then I would filter by goals, assists, these offensive categories, by tackles, interceptions, um, save percentages, all these defensive categories. And I would look to see where Orlando City would fall. And my general impression, just kind of looking at where they are relative to the rest of the league, is Orlando City's a slightly above average offensive team that does everything else decent. You know, they don't hurt themselves. They're not picking up yellows and reds they're not conceding penalties they're not shooting themselves in the foot own goals or uh silly fouls or giving up things early giving up a lot of goals They, they they don't hurt themselves but they just haven't had say the talent to really sustain being in the top four in the eastern conference part of that is goal scoring but they are third in mls in total assists and if i remember they were about seven more assists than expected assists on the season other than that, again, nothing really stood out. They seem to be a slightly above-average offensive team, and they do everything else fairly well. They play a 4-2-3-1 formation, and the Fire fans should be familiar with this. Uh, over their last five matches, they have used the same starting lineup with one exception. Um, Martín Ojeda started a match for Marisa Pereira, um, but that's the one sub, one starting change in their last five matches. So let's run down the, the typical starting lineup here. Pedro Gallese in goal. The back line from left to right, Rafael Santos, Robert Janssen, Antonio Carlos, and Kyle Smith. They have Cesar Arajo and Wilder Cartagena as their defensive midfielders. Ivan Angulo, Mauricio Pereira, and Facundo Torres as your attacking midfielders. I do want to take this time to let you know that we are having some technical difficulties with the StreamYard feed and recording, so I do apologize if there have been any gaps or breaks in uh, in my voice and in my speaking throughout. Getting back to Orlando City's starting lineups, um, when they actually do make the substitutions, usually you see Ramiro Enrique and Ursan come in. Ursan a uh, striker forward Enrique, kind of an attacking player winger. Um, those two have been subbed in in four of the last five games as well. So you're going to see those guys coming in for an injection of offense in the second half or to keep the pressure up when playing with the league. And I do like that kind of approach from Orlando City. So how do the fire beat a team where you've got a, a, a really good goalkeeper in Gayese when you've got a great center back in Robert Janssen, When you have solid defensive mids in and Cartagena, when you have a player like Facundo Torres who went off against the Chicago Fire in their last meeting, a 3-1 beatdown of the Fire on July 1st, Facundo Torres was the best player on the pitch by miles during that game. And if you go back to Sofa score, I think he was scored at, yeah, he was given an 8.5 in that game. And the Fire... Couldn't couldn't score to save their lives. I think Shakiri converted a PK on that one. Then again, so did Torres. Um, but Gutierrez had a really good game creating opportunities, but nobody could work with him, find the back of the net, get into a good spot. So how are you going to do this? Especially Duncan McGuire, one of the best young players. I think if they still had Rookie of the Year, he might be the runaway favorite for it. I know our, our good friend of the show, John Donovan, has texted me and called me and talked to me about how well he's liking to see Duncan McGuire and that he is. A, a complete striker just got to get better because he's younger, but he's got the whole package. Um But yeah, MLS doesn't do rookie of the year anymore. They do young player of the year, kind of more as, as people have said, more in tune with soccer culture and not having rookies and how having, you know, uh like a Diego Rossi uh, competing against um a guy who was playing in college last year for rookie of the year, kind of a thing. Um But yes, how are the fire going to, going to beat a solid, orlando city team who smoked them down in orlando about six weeks ago first stop the counter attack the fire are going to need a great game out of dp usman dumbia it, it's, he's been here now he's trained with the team he's had a couple league mx uh league's cup games to get under his belt he needs to have a big performance here Heck, I don't know if they could have him man-mark Facundo Torres. I don't know if any team would want to have someone shadowing him like that or spying him like that, Um, but he needs to have a good game because we can see that Orlando can generate a lot of quick and efficient and effective offense on the counterattack. They did it last time. Also, on the offensive side of the ball, the Fire need to convert some first-half chances. They leave too many points on the board. Crazy thing is the Fire have scored 28 goals and their XG on the season is 25.1. So technically they're outperforming their XG. But the problem is they're not actually generating any XG, right? The Fire have played 23 games and are generating about a goal a game in expected goal scoring here. They need to generate more offensive chances here right so the issue isn't that they're outperforming this that they're not outperforming the stat they are the issue is the stat in and of itself is so low because they're not creating any offense they need to create offense and score a first half goal I know you could say that for every team but it's an especially troubling moment especially troubling issue for the Chicago fire especially if Klopas wants to put in Shabilko in the second half to try and salvage something because we've seen how that goes Chris Brady is going to have to have another good game. And also, don't give in to emotions. It's been two weeks since these teams have last played, over two weeks. Keep your heads right. Keep your heads in the game. And we saw Orlando City has brought back fan favorite Junior Urso. Don't let him get under your skin late in the game. And don't let him take advantage of any opportunities. BetMGM currently has Chicago at plus 125. Again, we're, we're about a week out, so these numbers will change. Chicago's plus 120 plus 125 right now. The draw is at plus 240, and Orlando City is at plus 195. So Chicago, the slight favorites, the home team, so you expect that. Um, Plus coming in, winning five of their last six, but can you really look at recent run of form, especially after League's Cup? I don't think you can. I think it's going to be a slow start because of the two-week layoff, but there's going to be a lot of late-game action here because players are going to have the legs. They're going to be rested and ready to go but I still think Orlando city is the better offensive team until the Chicago fire can prove me wrong. So I'm going to predict a three, two victory and I hate to predict the fire lose when I'm going to be at the game, but please universe prove me wrong. Let me see a little something. Let my son have a great game this summer uh, so that he can enjoy it and, and talk about going to see a Chicago fire win last year. We saw him beat DC this year. Hopefully we can see him repeat and beat Orlando city. Real quick, speaking of D.C., quick transfer update and news. Taxi Fountas, the striker for D.C., uh, and the club, have mutually turned contract. He's been on leave since July 21st for allegations of a racial slur versus a teammate. And as we know, he was also subject to an investigation into using a racial slur against an inner miami player last year. And again, in all these situations, the league has found the allegations to be credible, but not substantiated. So essentially we believe you or we have no reason to not believe you mr accuser but we just don't have the evidence to prove that it actually happened um so you know kind of little little technicalities in there but they've mutually terminated his contract i'm upset number 1 because i'm greek and i love being able to point to my my young soccer player greek son saying there's a striker emulate his game uh it's, it's kind of embarrassing. It's a lot of embarrassing the way he went out, especially when he could have been a really good striker. He had 18 goals and four assists in 38 appearances for DC United. And had he not had all these other issues, I'm betting that that number would have gone up. He was never afraid to shoot, made good runs, even off the ball. And I remember that game last season at Soldier Field. How was is, how is like 5'9 Taxi Founces winning headers in the box? He almost scored off of a header too. So he he was a really, really good striker. Could have been a really good player for the league. But obviously, the off-the-field issues did, did him in. And also to point out, New York City have re-signed Maxi Morales. He had been back with racing, I believe, in Argentina. And now he is coming back to New York City. 36 years old. Still knows how to get it done, though. Uh, he signed through the 2024 season. The maestro in the midfield is back. The playmaker in New York City has been missing since... Well, Maxi Morales himself left. And with that, Chicago Fire fans, I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. You're looking forward to the game. Enjoy League's Cup, all it has to offer. And when Orlando rolls into town, I'll see you in Section 142. Let's go Fire.